I'm Heather. I'm Derek. And this is Let's Talk Outdoors. Hey, Heather, good to see you today. It's, uh, I'm excited today because today we're chatting with Jeff Moore about fostering a love for outdoors in children. That's right. What some of our listeners might not know is that I actually co-teach with Jeff for half of the school year. And Jeff grew up in northern Saskatchewan in the heart of the boreal forest. His childhood introduced a lifelong passion for the outdoors and conservation, and he hopes to pass along the same passions for his twin daughters. He now teaches a grade 10 outdoor experiences program and the grade 11 outdoor school program, which I co-teach alongside him. And Jeff is a recipient of the Prime Minister's Teaching Award of Excellence. That's pretty impressive. Uh, and also, because of his own nature-immersed childhood, Jeff has a lot of recommendations for parents and families about getting outdoors and fostering a love for nature. He never shies away from a conversation, and we look forward to chatting with him today. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thank you so much for having me. That's quite the intro. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm loving it so far, you two. <laughs> well, that just means that you have quite the credentials, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah right. <laughs> We're expecting a lot of good lessons here today. My parenting game is going to improve like 200% after the conversation today, I feel. I'm hoping for the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? Uh, I always like talking about my kids and I love talking about uh, getting outdoors. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be really good. Awesome. So Jeff, if it's okay with you, I'd like to start off by chatting about, um, I guess when your love for the outdoors began and growing up in Peter Pond, which I've heard a few stories about. From you, <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I'd love to hear uh, a little bit of a narrative from you or, um, or just a little story about how, how your love for the outdoors began. You know, uh, thanks for asking that question, because uh, I think that's a pretty big piece of it is that uh, for people who have a love for the outdoors and who really, really enjoy spending time in the outdoors, and I certainly do, I think we've all got a story about uh, someone or something that uh, really helped kind of push us along to be able to develop that lifelong love. For me, I was lucky enough to have uh, parents who valued the outdoors and valued nature and uh, moved to a rural area north of Prince Albert. And like you said in the intro, uh, growing up in a jack pine forest with provincial forest to the north of the property and provincial forest to the west meant uh, I got to spend a, a lot of like um, really amazing, I, I got to have a lot of really amazing experiences as a child, um, you know, exploring and in nature. We had uh, to the north, we had the North Saskatchewan River not that far away and the Shell River uh, adjacent, like butting into that. So, I mean, no matter where you went, there was forest, amazing uh, rivers and waterways and uh, just a lot of really, really good experiences. Um, I think when we think about our kids, um, getting them outside hopefully gives them some of those formative experiences so that they have reasons to get out throughout their lifetime. And, uh, and maybe so that they value the outdoors enough to be able to advocate for it and to, to be able to, um, you know, be a protector. So uh, that's where I got my experiences is in the forests north of Prince Albert. I think that's a really valid point I've heard. I don't know where it comes from, uh, but I've heard that, like a, a phrase that I'm paraphrasing. It's something along the lines of like, you can't 
um, you can't take care of something or you, you can't, um, you can't protect something until you, you learn to love it. Like you don't, mm -hmm. unless you have a relationship with the outdoors, you know, if everything's, you know, it, if the forest is getting taken down nearby to you and you have no experience with it, you know, it doesn't really bother you, you know, you yeah. don't, you need to get that experience with it and get that connection to it before, um, you can start, you know, advocating for protection of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I agree. And, and that's a big piece of what Heather and I try and do with outdoor school is kind of broaden that horizon and, and help, help, uh, um, kids other than our own, uh, have some of those really amazing experiences where they can develop those connections. Right. And for me, it's just, that's what it's all about. It's just, um, developing those connections, like spending, uh, quality time and sometimes quality unstructured time, uh, mm -hmm. in nature and being allowed to develop those connections that can, that can last a lifetime. Uh, one of my first, uh, times that I was going to be an advocate, this, this was my first chain myself to a tree moment was uh there was a gravel pit uh sask highways had um near where i grew up and uh because they were digging out there was a pond there and that's the pond that my brother and i used to get frogs from and catch tadpoles and man, we'd spend hours there i remember my mom uh, being upset with me the one time because i was carrying a salamander home in an ice cream pail and uh i fell off my bike i crashed my bike and I skidded on both elbows because I didn't want to drop the salamander from this <laughs> pond. <laughs> so when they drained the pond, I, I mean, I was a little kid and I, and I, I saw what was happening because we went to the pond and they've got pumps and they're draining it. And I mean, they don't want to, that, that gravel there is, I mean, they've got uses for it, right. In hindsight. But uh, yeah, I, I came home and I was really upset. And I told my mom and dad that, I was going to go down and, and, you know, stand in front of the equipment and I was going to go down and, and I was a really young kid at the time. <laughs> and there, my dad said, look, kid, you got to pick your battles. But I mean, I, I developed like spent hours there and that pond was really, really important to me. And I was going to do what it took to stand up for it and to make sure that it was there, you know, for my brother and my little sister and the other kids in the neighborhood. And, uh, and I mean, yeah, if you don't spend time, enjoying those those places i mean you're never gonna develop that passion right so. yeah <laughs> those those little ponds i think have like a special place you know like my uh we also live uh in the country and we have there's a place just nearby to us that my my boys call frog pond mm -hmm. that you know we just like rode around on our bikes one night just like waiting just listening and trying to find where the frogs were and we found a whole bunch of eggs and we brought them back to a, like our little like front pond but they always want to go back to the frog pond and they'll like put on they just go wading around and see what they can find and pull little things out and explore and they just want to like go and hang out there and so yeah. i think that's a like a you know, a little random pond of water is a undervalued, maybe, maybe thing to go exploring, you know, and, right. and I mean, you, you're in a rural area as well, which is a, which is an amazing place to raise kids. But, uh, so, I mean, you know what my story, when I tell stories about my childhood, you know what that's all about, but, mm -hmm. uh, those little ponds, Derek are everywhere, right? Like mm -hmm. they're, those little ponds are, are in, in the city of Regina on the outskirts of Balgoni where Heather and I teach. And, uh, you know, we can find those amazing places that, that kids just about hold sacred and, uh, and so many amazing experiences can be had 
like at the dugout or the pond or you know the little marsh uh in the in the ditch or drainage area um mm-hmm. the one thing though that when your frog story makes me think of is uh when i was a kid and uh here we here we go i'm i'm looking at the two of you on the screen and thinking like can you relate to this because when i was a kid every body of water had boreal chorus frogs in it and and when you walk by a ditch or when you walk by a pond you could just in the spring especially uh you could just well be assured to hear that chorus and uh that's something i don't feel my children are getting i that uh that the drainage ditches don't have amphibians in them anymore and you know we you have to look harder to be able to find that experience for kids that seems like it it should just be a rite of passage for anybody I just don't feel like it's like it's there for everybody anymore, which is, I guess, a, maybe one of the reasons why we need to build a generation of advocates, because, uh, I mean, the, the world certainly needs them. Maybe the frogs need them. But uh, my question to you is, Heather, when you walk by a pond uh, or a or a body of water in the spring, are you hearing the frogs anymore? I, I can't say that I could ever recognize a frog sound. And that could be because I've lived in the city for the past 10 years of my life. Oh, you should still um, hear it. They should, <laughs> should be everywhere. Yeah. That mm-hmm. indicator species, right? It's scary when we start losing those. Right. Now, when you go, when you go into North Cent- Central Saskatchewan and North Central, Derek, you got to be able to hear the frogs still. Uh, you talked about frog pond, but uh, what do you think about my theory that the frogs are are uh dying out in saskatchewan you know i think my my wife grew up like i grew up in saskatoon Mm -hmm. uh, but my wife grew up in lloydminster and she has stories about like catching salamanders and hiding them in neighbors like drain pipes or something like you know (laughs) all these different things uh but like i've never seen a salamander in lloydminster in the last 10 years um but there definitely are like frogs in the in the bigger parks, but just, um, I don't know. You, I don't, I don't necessarily hear them just like in town, but definitely out by our place. There's lots, yeah. lots out and around. You can hear it. And Jeff, I guess I have a question for you and sorry if it gets us off track a little bit, but you had talked about, um, about things changing inside the city and the drainage ditches not having the same, uh, ecosystem basically that it used to have going on in there. Um, where you live in the city, I live in the city, we advocate for getting outdoors, we advocate for natural spaces. Uh, what are your recommendations? Or I guess, what do you think about uh, parents who are raising their children in the city? Does, does getting to Wascana in Regina, or along the river in Saskatoon, does that count? Can they feel like they like parents are authentically taking their children outdoors to a natural space if you're still within the city limits? I, uh, that, that's a really good question because, I mean, we reminisce about childhood and about these amazing natural places that we've been that are, you know, some people might consider remote and, uh, and, and certainly not within a stone's throw, even for me anymore. But the fact is, is, is students, children, our kids can have incredible experiences in nature and you don't have to go out of your backyard uh i mean i I think of a few stories but the but the one is is i had the the kids and the dog out for a walk we're going through the park this is this is our daily routine unless it's really really cold out 
And uh, I looked behind me and the kids who were, I don't know, three or four at the time, my twins are under one of the big spruce trees in the park with, uh, with that, that, you know, they haven't trimmed it up, trimmed it up. The branches are coming like just well right to the ground and they're under this canopy of branches. And I'm like, come on kids, we've got to get home. Like it's, it's just about supper time. Daddy's got to make supper. And uh, the dog's kind of like antsy wants to get going. And after I called him a second time, I was like, I got to go and check out what I'm doing because I can just see their feet, right? And they're stuck under this spruce tree. Well, not stuck, but they're under this spruce tree and not <laughs> yeah. coming when I call them. So I kind of dock down and uh, here there, there's like hundreds of uh, spruce cones under this big tree. And uh, I mean, the city's not cleaning under the tree when the bra- with the branches hanging that low. So, I mean, th- that's their natural space. And they're, they've got the, the cones uh, kind of divided up into circles and rectangles. And I'm like, what are you, what are you doing, girls? And, uh, and they're like, oh, well, this is where the fairies live. Hmm. So, I mean, this is, this is in the span of, like, they just fell behind me a little bit. This is just a minute or two. And, and they've got a fairyland, like, coming along under this spruce tree. So uh, I, like, I wanted nothing more than to grab them by the feet and drag them out from under that spruce tree <laughs> and get home and start because <laughs> I mean, hey, right, we got things to do. We got to keep moving. But mm-hmm. sometimes we just have to step back and, and, and just appreciate the creativity and imagination that kids have. If there's an expert in outdoor play, right? I mean, it's not me and Heather, you're, you're close, but uh, it's oh, not no. you. <laughs> Derek, I don't know you as well, but uh, it's kids. They know they know how to play. We just have to take them out. And sometimes we just have to give them a little bit of time, right? A little bit mm-hmm. of space and a little bit of time because they're going to know how to play. And, you know, I don't even know if my kids remember that experience, but, but I mean, I do. And I know at the time it was a powerful experience for them. And I mean, we weren't very far from our house and we weren't in the middle of a forest, um, but it was nature play. And uh, you can find it, you know, wherever you go. The, our garden in our backyard is all, is all planted. But, I mean, the girls planted the seeds. They harvest the gar- they're harvesting the garden. They watered it through the summer. That's theirs. And the questions that, that come out of it about uh, the bees and the butterflies and the bugs that they see and, you know, is this good for the plants or is this not? And, and I, mean, I mean, they're learning constantly and, and, and that's an experience we can have with a small raised garden, you know, in just about any city yard. So Heather, to answer your question, like, yeah, it's good to explore sometimes and it's good to get, get out of your area and to give, to give kids and our families, you know, a breadth of experiences. But I mean, the fact is, is, is you don't have to, and the experiences can, can come anywhere. And, and like I said, like I found out at any time, so yeah, uh, they played under that tree. I think it was for 30 or 40 minutes. My wife, like before I got supper started, I was home early that day. My wife was home wondering where the heck we were. And, uh, but, but I mean, she understood when I explained it to her. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's really, that, really reassuring. Thank you for that, Jeff. Sorry, Derek, go ahead. No, I was just going to say like that. I think there's a lot of, um, a lot of wisdom in that. Just let, you know, don't go on your timeline sometimes, right? Like I know I'm, I, I'm out there. I want to get somewhere often and my boys just want to meander. And so I think <laughs> uh, trying more often to like take that meander because, you know, from their perspective, you know, 
mm-hmm. half my height. They see a lot of things that I might not see. You know, they get so excited when they find, I don't know, deer poop or when they see like, you know, <laughs> a feather, you know, they have feather boxes. They're constantly searching yeah. for feathers. And I think, um, you know, I have to consciously think when I'm out there, like, okay, slow down, just mm-hmm. like let them lead and go with them. I mean, not all the time, obviously, sometimes mm-hmm. you got to get places, but I yeah. think there's a lot of value there in that, like, let the kids lead and just kind of go and hang out. I've, uh, I've got a friend in Regina here. His name is Jeff as well. But uh, he told me we, we like to canoe with our kids and we've done a number of canoe trips with them. And uh, he's, he's a paddler too. So he said, uh, when we first started, Jeff, just take the distance that you and Carmen would normally be able to paddle in a day and cut it in half. And, uh, and you know what, it was the best advice ever because when you don't really have somewhere to go quickly and, and you can just kind of meander, like you say, and, mm-hmm. and let kids collect things and, and kind of look around. It's so much more enjoyable for the kids. And, and uh, as we know, as parents, if it's more enjoyable for the kids, it's more enjoyable for the parents <laughs> too. So um, yes. that's a good point. And, and the other thing that you brought up, Derek, I like it too, is uh, just this idea of being a collector, right? And uh, my kids collect rocks. You said mm-hmm. feathers. They definitely collect feathers. They bring uh, cones home from the park and home from places. Big mm-hmm. leaves. Like, man, you ever see a kid find a big leaf off, off the poplar <laughs> tree? They're not leaving that behind on the, on the ground, right? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like picking things up and turning it over and looking at it. And, and like, as adults our our flaw is, is that we'll we'll often just step over that that thing and, and i mean our sense of awe and wonder is sometimes stifled by our sense of responsibility so to mm-hmm. see it to see a kid you know pick up that feather and flip it over and, and to start asking questions and uh i mean i've got one that'll ask a million questions and it's like what kind of bird did this did this come from where did this feather come from why is the feather on the ground and not on the bird and and but to start thinking about these things uh, allows me to step back and to kind of rediscover uh, kind of a piece of me that I've lost, right? Like I said, that, that awe and wonder and to start asking questions myself because I can answer some of those questions, but I can't answer uh, a lot of them. So then we kind of have to like think about, you know, well, what could have caused this, right? We don't know for sure, but and start asking some, some questions and kind of exploring together. Mm-hmm. And I think, Jeff, you brought up a really good point. As, as educators, um, we've often heard that inquiry is the way to go, right? <laughs> yeah. if, we, if we can encourage students to inquire and be excited about what we're learning, and it just seems like getting young children outdoors or teenagers outdoors, that that mm-hmm. inquiry almost comes naturally. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, yeah I, I love it. And, and you're right, you don't have to prompt them. But what you do have to do, as Derek alluded to, is not be in a rush to get anywhere and to, to be able to slow down and to be able to appreciate the value of that unstructured nature play. Uh, Tanaya, one of the, uh, the other amazing Sasko Outdoors volunteers and board members, uh, was running um, nature play uh, days in Regina. And my kids attended one and would have loved to attend every one. But I was a little skeptical of them because I'd asked Tanaya, like, like, what's your plan? She's like, well, I don't really have a plan. Well, what happens if 20 kids show up and, you know, they're looking for something to do? Well, we're, we're in nature. There's going to be something to do. 
So I got there with my healthy dose of skepticism. So now it sounded <laughs> like I don't practice what I preach, but I mean, I'm just thinking like some organization here might've been good. And I don't mean to sell tonight short because it, it turned out to be a brilliant idea, but I mean, it, it, it didn't take the kids 60 seconds. In fact, when she was kind of prepping the parents for the fact that it was unstructured playtime, the kids were already playing. Right. So, mm-hmm. and then to see Tanaya crawling through the, the, uh, you know, willow bunches and, and stuff like that with the kids and, and exploring. And, and I mean, the kids had, had great time sliding, you know, down snowy Hills on their bots and, and, uh, you know, just enjoying being outside and being with one another. I think you can see that in, uh, you know, there's lots of like early childcare, um, that are kind of like based in getting kids outdoors, like, um, I don't think there's any in Lloyd, but there's, you know, like there's a Saskatoon forest school or Wildernook mm-hmm. or just lots of different, um, kind of experiences that are focused on getting kids outside in unstructured playtime and, and about the bonuses of, uh, you know, risk-taking like mild, moderate risk-taking where they're kind of learning their boundaries and their, their, exp- and that like being outside offers especially, you know, younger kids or older kids too, you know, the opportunity to challenge themselves um, and, and take a few more, um, you know, I don't want to say safe risks, but, you know, like yeah. risks that are managed. I managed, yeah. yeah. I uh, I mean, you're, you're hitting on a number of the things that we talked about, but that this idea um, of letting kids take risks and let, and by extension, letting kids kind of uh, find their limits, um, I, I think is a really, really important uh, concept to touch on. Um, Heather, how many trees have you climbed in your life? I don't know the answer to this question. I've seen you climb at the climbing center, but how <laughs> many what? trees have you climbed? Ah, that's actually kind of an embarrassing question oh, no. because I wasn't much of a tree climber. Oh man, strike. That was a swing and a miss. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I can I can probably picture I can probably picture a few yeah, okay. growing up climbing trees. But yeah, I'm embarrassed that I have to say this. No, that's good. Like Heather I probably can't edit it out. Heather's climbed a, a few trees. This is this is good. Derek, how many trees have you climbed as a kid? You know, I my mother is a nurse and she's very like, you're going to kill yourself. <laughs> but in my, but we spent like my grandpa, my grandma and grandpa at their house, they had this big kind of like, I don't know, bell shaped, like open middle kind of tree. Oh boy. Uh, that's a good every, one. Every time we were there, like I, like all the insides were rubbed smooth from just my brothers and sister and I just kind of climbing and hanging out in there. Yeah. That was kind of like our, like our spot all the time up in there. It's, Trees can be magical, can't they? Mm-hmm. I I, uh, I I love that idea of like you found your spot and it's up in a tree and you're climbing up there and, and sitting there. I can picture it. But uh, I mean, my point isn't getting across. You're not helping me a whole bunch here, Derek <laughs> and Heather. But like I, I do think through my like anecdotal evidence, uh, but I don't think that kids are allowed to climb trees as much as they used to. And I mean, yeah. I mean, this is this is just one of many, many things that, that my parents used to let me do. I think I did a lot of it like when they weren't around, but, uh, but I, I know I climbed trees in front of my parents. I knew, I know they knew I climbed trees cause we had a poplar that, uh, that was growing up in our yard and it was fairly mm-hmm. young. 
and I'd climb it and break off branches and I'd get into trouble, not for climbing the tree, but for breaking off the branches. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, you know what, like it's, it's hard as a parent and, and I try and let my kids climb trees, but I find myself, uh, like not far away and, you know, ready to try and catch them if yeah. they fall. And I, I think, uh, you know, during that, the, the COVID spring, I think about a, a hike down in uh, at Ferry Hill Marsh. And I know Heather's been there in the winter. Have you ever been there in the spring or summer, Heather? I, I, we actually stopped and picked some Saskatoons there oh, just a couple of man. weeks. Or, it, yeah, it would have been about a month ago now. It is such an incredible place, right? And, and I mean, what kid doesn't want to go and play at Ferry Hill, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, we're, we're sitting down having a picnic because uh, food is an important piece when you're out with kids, right? Bring the snacks. Yeah. And, uh, and so we're kind of setting out. We are calling our snacks a picnic. And then the kids are playing and there's the spring runoff and they'd cross that and got their feet all wet. And then they're climbing a tree. And my wife says, uh, Jeff, Brooklyn's going to fall. And I looked at her and I was like, she's not that high up off the tree. Like this is one of those experiences I can just let her have. Right. Mm-hmm. And she slides down the tree and skins herself from her, from her hip all the way to her armpit as she slides out like this little portion of the tree. And, uh, and you know, you feel bad as a parent, uh but i mean as far as kids like she was climbing a tree the next day like she forgot about it quickly but uh you know sometimes even though your kid might get a scrape and 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 you know even though that's going to make you feel bad and even though you might hear i told you so from your you know significant other which is the worst (laughs) isn't it but but that like those are important experiences for children And, and I don't know where we are, where they are without them, you know, like, uh, you know, I I think about growing up and a lot of the sports that I played weren't organized sports. It was just kids from the neighborhood getting together. And, uh, and, you know, when, when my kids are playing sports, it's organized. It's very, very organized. And, uh, and, you know, when they ask to go to the park, we're, we're still accompanying them, you know, kind of following behind. And if they're bringing a soccer ball there to play or whatever, but uh, I mean, kids don't have those opportunities anymore. Um, they've got a lot of structure in their lives. They need to unstructure a little bit. They've got mm-hmm. a lot of uh, um, a, a lot of that structure uh, brings a lot of safety in their lives. But sometimes it's it's they've got to be allowed to you know take some risks and find their limits. And mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that's a part of growing up that uh, that some children definitely are are missing out on so yeah. <laughs> i think of that like in middle school you know I've, I've had um kids who you know sometimes when they've had a choice to make that they they're like well i don't really know what should i do I like, well what do you want to do i don't know well how do you normally make choices well they're usually made for me and okay. so i think you know even that unstructured time gives them chances to make decisions and see what happens even in the case of tree climbing oh I learned that that branch was too small. Now mm-hmm. I skidded down the side, right? <laughs> right. Um, you know, even with that tree climbing, like I've had, we, we do um, like sit spots with my, with my grade eights oh, where we I go out, it. we find yeah. a spot in nature, we return to it repeatedly throughout the seasons and kind of sketch and observe and, and write about and whatever. And usually like over the last couple of years, probably, 
you know, a fifth of my class, they've found a spot in a tree and some are, <laughs> you know, two feet up, like just like legs dangling. And I've had like, you know, gymnasts who their spot is like 15 feet. Well, they would like to go higher, but that's kind of where I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. double my height is kind of as far as you can go. But I, I know that like, even with my own, with my five-year-old, he always wants to climb. And so it's like the sit on your hands versus the help. And mm -hmm. um, I don't, we had a good, uh, we did a webinar in June with uh, Denise Scoos. Yeah. On, uh, did I pronounce that right? I think so. I believe so. Yeah. And Denise talked about, um, you know, risk and how, risky play and, uh, it was really awesome. Like one of the things she talked about, I think was, it was either 13 or 17. It was like, if kids are saying like, I need your help. It's like, wait 13 seconds mm -hmm. and ask them some other questions. Like, well, what's your plan for whatever? And usually they can solve it themselves as opposed to you superheroing them out of whatever situation they're in. Sorry, yeah. Heather, I stole your and, uh, thought there. No, no, that's okay. I'm ha I was, I was hoping that we would somehow circle back to that. So you just helped me out. Uh, I just wanted to point out that something I learned from Denise or like a nice clarification that De Denise made was that there is a difference between risky play and hazardous play. Mm -hmm. So, um, so sometimes it's hard to say, Oh, do I like, do I allow my kid to climb that tree? Well, yes, that's fine. If the tree looks like it's secure and that the branches, like the tree is, is living and it's just fine. It's not going to topple over and there's nothing like a piece of, uh, what am I trying to think of? It's not a like broken glass shark. under the yes, tree. Exactly. That's what yeah. I was going to say. And I thought, how often does that happen? But really, yeah. <laughs> a piece of broken glass under the tree, that's now a hazard. That's when you can step in and say, you know what? Something's got to change here. I'm intervening. But, but risky play, it's important for, for kids to initiate it and sometimes be unsupervised if they're old enough. And, and yeah, the unstructured part of that is really important. I, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. That sounds like something that I should go back and watch because it sounds like Denise was teaching some good lessons there. Um, I, I picked up, though, on something else that Derek said. And I just think, uh, Derek, how often are you telling your kids to hurry up? Because I'm telling mine yeah. to hurry up all the time, right? <laughs> yeah. and, and I mean, how, yeah. how often does a teacher or a parent tell kids to slow down? I mean, it's a pretty amazing uh, learning experience for students to have that sit spot and for yeah. their teacher to, and maybe you're not even saying it, but you're heavily implying it and you're, and you're getting them to do it, but just to slow down and to, you know, put your electronics away and to be, immerse yourself, right, into, into something and to be aware of yourself right? Your emotions, what you're feeling, but be aware of all of the things around you and not necessarily the horde of people, but all of these other little things and all of these other interconnections and all of these, right? To just, just to just be. And mm -hmm. uh, in a world where we're told to speed up um, and not slow down time. very often, uh, you know, that that's important as well, right? To, to yeah. give students these opportunities. And I think as far as like, just good mental health. And, and right now, I mean, there's a lot of people uh, suffer whose mental health is suffering, right? Because they're, you know, things have changed uh, certainly a little bit. And for some people, a lot to be able to have those coping mechanisms of, you know what, I can go in and I know how I can get my heart rate down and how I can, you know, forget about what's bothering me. I've got a spot, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you're giving them coping, you're giving your students coping skills, 
you know, and skills of observation and giving them a chance for introspection. I mean, there's so much involved in that activity that, uh, that some people might not see. But if you break it mm -hmm. down, man, it's there. Mm -hmm. That slowdown makes me think, like with all the, um, with all COVID-19, everyone being stuck at home, I'd seen a, a, I can't remember if on Facebook or Twitter or something, but I'd seen a post of someone that was, was like, was there, is there more birds this year? Or am I just noticing it because I'm sitting at home having coffee every morning and aware of it? Like, am I right. more aware or are there more birds? And that's an interesting, that was a very interesting question to me of like, you know, what's the story? And, like, and how you, often do we not notice everything around us? And mm -hmm. you probably know the answer. Like the answer is there's, there's less birds, you know, yeah. and, <laughs> and, you know, those poor, those poor birds, uh, all you have to do is uh, follow Trevor Harriet's blog for, uh, for a week or two and, uh, or, or any of those amazing birders that we've got, but uh, to be able to learn, but you're right this year, man, I, I've, I've identified birds that, that I've, I didn't think I'd ever seen before. And our bird feeder that we'd had up for the first year ever had hundreds of birds at it. And it was just so much fun. But I mean, we had a chance to slow down. Right. Mm -hmm. And, to, and, and I mean, man, I spent a lot of time outdoors this spring and summer. So, so to immerse ourselves and we won't have very many opportunities as adults, kids don't, unfortunately don't have a lot either, but, yeah, I, there's less birds, but, uh, but in my backyard, man, it sure seemed like there were a lot. <laughs> well, as we, as we kind of uh, wrap up, Jeff, I have mm -hmm. a few more questions for you before we get to the very final question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's basically for parents who, who want to get outdoors with their family mm -hmm. or with young children and who know of all of the benefits, but what advice could you give for the people who think this is too much work. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I, I like the first thing we kind of talked talked about, and and I mean, I, I beat myself up all the time because I hear of these amazing parents, you know, the Derricks and the Heathers of the world that are that are doing <laughs> having these amazing adventures with their kids. And I'm like, you know, why am I not in, you know, ice fishing with my with my kids on the on the weekend? Or why am I not going you know, up north paddling with my kids or whatever the case might be, there's always someone who's going to one up you. But uh, with kids in nature play, that's not what it's about, right? Those experiences are amazing for the kids who get to enjoy them. But you don't have to drive eight hours north to, to have that, you know, to, to be able to give kids all of the same benefits that that experience mm -hmm. might be. Um, mm -hmm. Try paddling the, the Quipel uh, River past Lumsden. I mean, that's one of my family's favorite spots and you see turtles and I mean, I mean, the, the red tailed hawks we were, we were loving when we were through there a couple of weeks ago, but, uh, we saw, um, what my daughter called otters cause it's her favorite animal, but, uh, I didn't have the heart to tell her that it was muskrat, but, uh, I mean, <laughs> the kids absolutely love it and that, that's their adventure. Right. So find excuses to to get out it's not easy all the time but throw a few snacks in a backpack and maybe a couple water bottles and and uh on days like today some sunscreen and a couple more water bottles maybe <laughs> i don't know but uh but uh yeah and, and instead of making excuses to to not get out find places to recreate and find places that you can enjoy with your kids 
and find your own sit spot. Yeah. Find your own (laughs) sit spot. And and Heather, that's what I was thinking. Like once you get there, don't be rigid, which I, which I can definitely be. And, and uh, you know, we got to get from point A to point B, but you know, give the kids an opportunity to be able to really enjoy those surroundings. And, uh, and like we said, when they're enjoying it, the parents are enjoying it. So it's enjoyable for everybody. And, and if your kids like it, they're going to be asking to go out and do it again. And, and, uh, that way that in that way, it gets easier. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you can start small. I think that's, you don't, uh, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be an epic adventure. Right. (laughs) The, I guess the other piece too is, is, uh, the wheels are turning there, but, uh, an epic adventure looks different for everybody. And in the eyes of, a, of, a, of our children, um, you know, an epic adventure, you know, isn't necessarily, you know, summoning a mountain or making it to one of the pools. An epic adventure mm-hmm. can be found just about anywhere, given the opportunity. <laughs> um, so, Jeff, you have, uh, you've been adventuring with your family. And, um, and before, when you lived near Prince Albert, you've been adventuring around. But where now is your favorite outdoor place to visit in the province? Can I have two, Heather? Is yes, and there? I think I know your exact two, and they might even be my exact oh, two. Oh, man, I love it. You know what? You got to oh. tell me, because I need to know. We ask the outdoor school kids uh, every year what their you know favorite outdoor school trip is and their favorite place to go is. But I don't know if I know yours, Heather. What's your favorite oh, really? place well, to go in outdoor Well, school? but I don't, I don't want you to copy my favorites. The question yeah. was for you. You better Jeff. write it down. Oh, yeah. man, come yeah. on. You know, you can <laughs> afterwards. Well, I'm going to break it down because Heather's uh, allowed me. We're bending the rules here. I'm going to break it down into my favorite outdoor school place to go and my favorite place to go with my family because okay, they perfect. are different. But uh, outdoor school, we do a lot of amazing things. But the place that I, uh, I, I love the most is Grasslands National Park in the spring. Oh, man. Yep. Heather's with yep. me. <laughs> they can't see it, but I'm giving you double thumbs up because yeah. that's mine too. Heather, what do you love about it? Um, I love the difference in landscape. Like you get mm-hmm. there and you just can't even believe that you're in Saskatchewan anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and I love, um, I love the, the cactuses that you don't see in many other places in the province. There's some in Cypress Hills, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and the bison and the fact that there are lizards there and oh, sorry yeah. i'll let you talk about other great things <laughs> the, diver- the diversity is amazing like s- yeah. sitting on a on a hill overlooking the frenchman river seeing the uh uh herd that's as close to a wild herd of bison as we're going to get in you know in our area um but you know overlooking a prairie dog colony and uh, I mean, it just seems like you're transported back in time, right? You've, you've mm-hmm. gotten into the DeLorean and, you know, you're back <laughs> to the future. But uh, yeah, and then, I mean, when the kids see a greater short-horned lizard or a rattlesnake, right? <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, the kids have seen a, a, a eastern yellow-bellied racer or a burrowing owl, right? Or a golden mm-hmm. eagle. The list goes on. And then you, you yeah. look up into the hills and everything's in bloom in the spring the flower the there's you know hundreds of different flowers and and all different colors and uh it's just an experience that i've never had anywhere else and i I think a lot of students have never had and 
boy, it's amazing to share an experience like that with a group of students, isn't it, Heather? And Derek, Derek, I should say, you know what that's all about too. So yeah, I mean, if you haven't been to Grasslands National Park, it's great. I'm I'm a little tentative to bring my kids there. Those cactuses that Heather talked about, and and I mean, it's it's not as family friendly of a place, but certainly there are things for families to do there. But I haven't had my family uh, doing you know remote camps there yet. Uh, my second one though that that I said I would uh, highlight is uh, not just to rub it in, Heather, but. Uh, it's, it's got to be Gray Owl's Cabin um, in mm. Prince Albert National Park. And I mean, I, I grew up in that area and I just absolutely love it. The, it's tough to beat the boreal forest. And I, I, I tell the outdoor school kids when we go there and I tell my kids, it's like you get into the forest, I just say, take a deep breath because mm-hmm. that is pure air. And, and I mean, it just the the air out there just seems different and the sense and and just when you immerse yourself but it's the heather talked about uh um beaver creek or i I forget what you said the beaver farm beaver farm and (laughs) and, uh and derek talked about the frog pond and and uh i mean for me that's that there i've got a few of those places but yeah the heart of prince albert national park and grail's cabin it was the first place that my my wife and I hiked together on a multi-night hike, it was the first place we went on a overnight canoe trip together. It's the first canoe trip I took my kids on. And it's a place that I love to go with the outdoor school group. And, uh, and yeah, just for so many reasons, it's, it's just a, a magical place for mm-hmm. me. So right. yeah, I, I absolutely love it. And, and both of my places are in Saskatchewan because don't we live in an amazing province? To be able to talk sure about do. one favorite place that has cactuses and rattlesnakes and another favorite place that has, you know, bears and, and walleye and, and lake trout. It, it's like, don't we live in an amazing place? <laughs> I couldn't agree more. That's awesome. And then we have one more question for you, Jeff, which would be, uh, if you could change one thing in the world, what would it be? Well, you know, I kind of saw this one coming. To, uh, yeah, I mean... For me, I thought about it a little bit. And I think for me, it's love each other and love the planet. And uh, I mean, if COVID's taught me one thing, it's that we're all in this together. And the idea that, that what we do affects those around us is important to remember. Our actions and by extension, our inaction affects everybody, right? So if I could change one thing, it would be to bring people together and work toward the greater good. How is that? That was well done. Yeah. Well I cheated. Almost like I, we prepped you for that question. Yeah, I well cheated spoke. on that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> is there anything else you want to add? Do you think you want to? Well, uh, I, I guess the one thing that I want to add is I can't wait to hear your other podcasts. I, I just think it's such an amazing idea. And, and I know how much work goes into, you know, finding your guests and doing your planning and doing the prep work. But, but what you're doing is important, right? Because, uh, your podcasts are going to inspire people um, to do things, you know, maybe that they wouldn't normally do. And, uh, and I mean, it's going to inspire, it's going to inspire people to get outside and to, to, you know, uh, enjoy nature. So, yeah, I guess the thing I'd like to say is thank you for doing the podcast and thank you so much for having me on as a guest. Uh, This was a lot of fun. I (laughs) I agree. Work, But this was a lot of fun. 
Thank you so much. Heather. It would have felt like work because I was here. Hey, uh, yeah. well, maybe that's why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that's great. Um, we're excited to release this as well. And by having you as a guest, you'll now be part of the inspiration for people. So thank you so much for joining us, Jeff. Right on. Thanks, Heather. Jeff, it's been great talking to you. Uh, if anybody wanted to connect with you, learn more about your work and what you do, is there anywhere that uh, you would send them? Anywhere people could catch up with you if they wanted to connect with you? Well, yeah, my, uh, if I can give my email address, uh, I, I respond to every single email that I get. And uh, I just love the idea of, pe of people getting outside and, and uh, especially with, with children and with students. So my email address is just my first name, dot last name, jeff.moore at pvsd.ca. And if anyone wants to connect, uh, um, just shoot me an email. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jeff. Right Thank on. You, Jeff. Thank Enjoy you. the rest of your beautiful day. Yes, you as well. Well, that was a great conversation with Jeff. Uh, Heather, what were some of your takeaways from that conversation today? Well, I, I asked him the question about like city living and getting out into nature. And I said it during the podcast, but I was very reassured by his answer. And I like to hear that, you know what? It's okay if you don't get out of the city, if you don't get mm -hmm. eight hours north into yeah. like the untouched land of Saskatchewan, right? Mm -hmm. getting, getting kids outdoors, even if it's in your own backyard, is still valuable um, for some unstructured play. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How about awesome. you? Yeah. I think, uh, I think Jeff said that uh, kids are experts in outdoor play. And I think that's something definitely that all of us can take is to just f find some space outside, let them take the lead and play along and like hang out and just observe with them and ask questions. I think that's super valuable just to, just to sit and and talk about what we see and observe things. And I think that's, that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. It's okay to not have a plan. The biggest thing is en enough snacks. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the truth. That's yeah. The truth. Even for my one-year-old enough snacks is always key. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That tells you how much time. Okay. I've got one pouch and two bars. We have about 45 <laughs> minutes. Yeah. Outside. So that's how long our hike is going to be. Uh-huh. Well, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you would subscribe and give us a review on whatever podcasting service that you are listening to. And, uh, you know, maybe send it to a friend. If you, if you listened to this and you thought, hey, that was pretty interesting, send it to somebody else that you think would be interested in listening. And that would help us out a lot. Uh, as always, thanks for listening and uh, take care.